2: Learn more at Marines.com. It's the power
3: sweep. Actually, it's the it's the lead play on in our, in our offense.
2: You come with tackle, you take the defensive energy over them if the you attack drive down the first man who is inside. You pull back and get him Take the first man outside
3: the offense. Attack. No one shows. Go right by them and feel this side. YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. The YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, we'll be trying to get is a seal here, and a seal here, and try to run this play in the alley.
4: Alright, what's up guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to access at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865 658 5824 you guys seen we got a new intro here just adding to it daily. Um, I want to give a special shout out to a website called spreadoffense.com and they've also got a YouTube channel that's where that the majority of that video came from. I reached out to them and, and asked hey could I use some clips of that video um, to, uh, to put a little intro together and they were like absolutely but you guys make sure you go give them some love Again that's spreadoffense.com um, you can find them on Twitter as well but if you go to their website you can find their Twitter handle you can find their YouTube channel. Really, really phenomenal YouTube channel. They put together about a two-minute video of Vince Lombardi uh, just breaking down the, the the Packers power sweep, and it is phenomenal. So I just thought that was uh, kind of cool. We may edit it a little bit if the music's a little loud, but um, just wanted to kind of pop that in. So. Here's what's on tap today. We've actually got um, one of my favorite podcasts. is called Move the Sticks. I don't know if you've heard it. I'm sure you have. It's Daniel Jeremiah, one of the draft experts. He's a former scout. I think he actually played quarterback at Appalachian State. Uh, that's fairly close to where I live, actually, uh, over here. Appy State is kind of legendary. They're the, the quote-unquote giant killers. You know, I think they beat Michigan one year. Then last year they had a big upset when college game day was in town. Um, just a really cool college back in the sticks, if you will. Um, but he played quarterback there and then went on to be an NFL scout to the best of my knowledge. He didn't play any pro ball, but he went on to be an NFL scout. And now he's kind of a draft expert for, uh, you know, the, uh, NFL network, just a Great dude. Love his content. His content's clean. It's precise. It's just, you know, very straight to the point. And his partner, Bucky Brooks, actually played for the Green Bay Packers, if I remember correctly. He was a DB, and now he he went on to be an NFL scout, and now he's coaching high school football while doing some of this stuff with podcasting. Just a phenomenal duo. They gave kind of their take, and it's about an eight-minute clip on the NFC North. So I thought we would kind of listen in and say, you know, there's a lot of people that are chattering right now. Right. And and some people carry more, uh, more credibility than others. Right. These are two guys that I trust. I like their stance. Now I would just openly say that Bucky Brooks is not a fan of Aaron Rodgers. Okay. <laughs> when I say not a fan, excuse me, he's not a fan of how Aaron Rodgers handled everything. Um, this, this last year, not attending OTAs, things like that, which, You know, there's actually, uh, you know, conversations going on on Twitter right now about that, you know, saying, why didn't Aaron, you know, do this in Green Bay as far as going to OTAs? He, He never missed a single OTA, and I'm not defending it. First of all, let me give you my opinion. He handled it wrong. Okay. I think he should have been at OTAs regardless of his stance with the front office, you got teammates there, you know, you need to be kind of lockstep with your teammates. It's easy for me to say, because it's not my time I'm investing. Right. And of course I'm coming from an entrepreneurial business ownership standpoint of like, you want your people there. You want the organization to be unified. Right. But from his standpoint, this started when they drafted Jordan Love, you know, obviously when the pandemic hit, there was no OTAs. And then, of course, the following year, you know, they had already drafted Jordan Love. Aaron's been very vocal about how they let go of Jordy Nelson. He's been very vocal about, you know, how they let go of even Mike McCarthy. The fact that they fired him in season ticked him off. And and all of these factors that come into play, then they go to hire a new head coach, according to sources. And from what I understand, Aaron Rodgers has confirmed this. They didn't ask Aaron, hey, man, what are you thinking as far as a head coach? They asked for no input. So that ticked him off. So from that point forward, of course they didn't have OTAs that year, right? They draft (laughs) Jordan love his replacement. So he said, the heck with it. I'm not going back to OTAs again. I don't agree with him not being there, but that's how that whole thing unfolded. I mention all that because Bucky Brooks has been very, very open about, Hey, look, Aaron handled this the wrong way. And even saying it going as far as saying that Aaron isn't one of the top green Bay Packers in Packers history. I don't agree with well. Now, he didn't say he wasn't one of the top, but Aaron kind of made it sound as if he felt like he was the best Packer to ever play. I don't think Aaron exactly said that, but a lot of people took it that way, and that really ticked Bucky off. Just a little background about Bucky Brooks, if you don't know who he is. Again, I respect both of these guys, so we're going to get into that. But before we do, we've actually got a caller on the line here. This is Tim in Green Bay uh, jumping on. Man, this is kind of uh, impromptu, but we got our boy Tim in the house. How are things going up there in the Bay, man?
0: Awesome, Clayton. Thanks for having me on, dude. This is great. I love even last minute. I love jumping on. It's great.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what I love about being able to give you guys the link. Um, it's just so cool. If you find yourself in a, in a spot where you're just having a sip of coffee on a Saturday morning, Oh, he's going live, jump right in. Right. So, uh, let me ask you, dude. What do you uh, what do you got on your mind? Like I said, we're going to kind of. I'm going to jump in here in a minute and break down this Move the Sticks podcast uh, a segment where they talk about the NFC North. But um, you were kind of chatting a little bit offline there about you. Uh, you had read a recent article, is that right? About uh, about Lucas Van Ness, is that correct?
0: Yeah, and you know what? My wife actually found a blurb from Bleacher Report, and uh, I'm waiting for her to send me the link so I can get it posted on my Twitter. Um, but there was one of one of the writers from Bleacher Report was speaking to the the extent of talking about Lucas Van Ness being a major bust this year. And the reasoning behind his justification for calling him a bust was the fact that he's going to play so many different roles in this defense, which is going to hurt him as a rookie. Therefore he won't be successful. And I just, thought the first thing i thought is man i hope lucas van ness read that article um and my third my second thought is um how unfounded and off base of a reasoning that could possibly be now i could see if we had six to eight to ten games of film with him in these various roles and maybe we have some evidence to support the claim, but to just boldly preseason, pre-camp, just assume that this kid is going to be a bust, just kind of, I don't know, that struck a nerve with me because I feel like, uh, you know, even if we just, you know, roll the college tape, I mean, the guy looks like something special, man. You know, he looks like one of these, these defenders that we see every few years. I'm not going to name names. There've already been the, uh, the comparisons, but, um, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, you know, what your thoughts are. Like I said, I wish I had it posted so I could reference this in in greater detail, but that was on my mind this morning. Just assuming that a first round draft pick is going to be a bust based on the role he's going to play with the team that drafted him just seems insane to me.
4: Yeah, now we're on the same page with that. Um, you know, when you mentioned kind of the, the gist of the article there, It caught me off guard. You said it kind of irritated you, man. I could feel my ears getting hot. It's like, (laughs) why do people go out of their way to try to tear people down before we haven't even seen them on the field, you know? Um, Mm you know, like even Justin Fields. The Justin Fields talk, and we'll get back to Lucas Van Ness. But, you know, we yes, we make fun of Bears fans because they are so convinced he is just going to be, you know, a top five QB. And nothing suggests he's going to be a top five QB. He might be like Ryan even gave him credit and was like, this he may be the most – the most effective rushing quarterback in the history of the game when it's all over, right? We're not not denying that. But to pretend like you've seen something up to this point to suggest he's going to be a good quarterback is crazy. But going in after that draft, you know, immediately following that draft, people weren't going, you know, I didn't hear Packer fans going, oh, he's going to be a bust, he's going to be horrible, blah, blah, blah. I feel like our fan base is fairly reasonable when it comes to talking about rivals. You know, I've heard Packer fans giving lines a lot of credit for the way they handled mm-hmm. last year, and they're kind of trending up. Right. But for whatever reason, people want to attack the Green Bay Packers and suggest someone's a bus for even see them on the field. is just that is absolutely mind boggling to me um, now as far as, you know, the reasoning for it. And again, I need to go read the article and, and Tim's not suggesting that's all the article says. It's just conversation piece here. I'd like to get in there and read it. But to suggest he's going to be a bus because he's going to play all over the line is just crazy. Like, it, first of all, people people have done it. Right. And and all defenses are a little bit different. You know, if you guys haven't listened to the Playmaker podcast or I'm sorry, the Play Caller podcast, um, it's phenomenal five part series. Have you heard that yet, Tim?
0: No, you know, that's on my notes from the other night. Um, I got to rewatch some other pods and there's some other things I got going, but that's on my list. I got sidetracked last night. I was watching the the quarterback on that net, on Netflix, yes, so it's I was good, dude. I was bombarded with that. But um, no, I want to get to that. That play callers looks looks phenomenal.
4: Like, Bro, it is it is like I I'm almost almost convinced NFL Films is involved with it. That's how good it <laughs> is, it's, and and it's so it literally just tells the entire story of the Shanahan tree. and it, and it's everything that I was pounding the table screaming last year going we are not running Shanahan's offense. We run McVay's offense because everybody's put their own spin on it. And even, you know, uh, I think his name's Andrew Whitworth, you know, the the great left tackle that won a Super Bowl uh, with the Rams and then went on to – uh, you know, uh, work for Amazon Prime, their Thursday night coverage, just a phenomenal offensive lineman. He even joked, I'm pretty sure it was his voice that I was hearing that was joking and said, these guys are just in a pissing contest with each other. Like they, you know, they'll go, okay, he, he did it in 11 personnel. I'm going to go do it in 12 personnel. Okay, he did it in 12 personnel. I'm going to go do the same thing in 13 personnel and there. And it's funny when you, if you were to draw out the entire Packer playbook, you see the Shanahan offense in a multitude of looks, but the thing that it, it really confirmed for me was what I was seeing on tape. When I pulled up Shane Waldron's tape in Seattle last year, I didn't see Shanahan's offense. When I pulled up McVay's tape the the last three, four years, I didn't see Kyle Shanahan's offense. When I pull up the Packers' offense, I didn't see Kyle Shanahan's offense. The, co- the same passing concepts are there. The same sif looks are there. The same bootlegs are there. The same pre-snap motion is there, but they all do it out of different looks. And the thing that triggered McVay into using 11 personnel was he looked up and seen Cooper Cup on the sideline and was like, why do I not have my best players on the field? I can accomplish the same thing by getting my best personnel on the field. So that's essentially what it kind of got into. But the reason I brung that up is because uh, it, it kind of triggered with this whole Lucas Van Ness thing is you 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 want to get your best players on the field. And if that means playing multi- multiple positions, that happens all the time across the league. In no way, shape, or form should that predict someone being a bust. That's just – that's mind-boggling, dude, to me.
0: I mean, and- if anything, it would give him a greater chance at success, right? I mean, yeah. he's he's going to see the field more. I mean, we talked last time I was on with you guys, with you and Jacob, we talked about Quay Walker and how he was thrown into the fire in his rookie year um, playing a lot of snaps. And so for a guy like Van Ness, I mean, the more snaps that this guy gets, the better. I mean, I don't... And looking at his size and stature and athletic ability, I mean, he could probably play anywhere on that defense other than maybe corner. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. i think I think a lot of it comes with the territory as Packer fans, as you know. I think you know, the rest of this league, you know you're either you either love the Green Bay Packers or you love to see the Green Bay Packers lose. that's that's, exactly that's just right. how people are. And I get it, you know, it ain't easy being the greatest organization in the history of pro sports. You're gonna have a lot of haters, so <laughs> I mean, I understand. But um, I'm I'm just looking forward to uh, to this season, man, for for so many reasons. But you know, I think Van Ness is going to be the real deal. And of course, like we said at the beginning, only time will tell. We need to we need to see. You know, preseason will be interesting you know, get some simulated live speed type of reps. And then going into the, the first quarter of this season, um, you know, we'll see what's up with Rashawn, how soon he's going to come back and, and you know, play a major role. But I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for Lucas Van Ness. And I don't care if it's inside, edge, you know, whatever. I mean, put him on the nose, whatever. Like let the guy play, let let the guy play, you know, let the kids play. That's what I said, you know, I said that three, four months ago, let the kids play.
4: Absolutely. And, you know, he, he actually played a little nose. When I say nose, he wasn't lining up there to, to control two gaps, but there was one play in particular where he did, he took a double team to the right, shedded it and made a tackle as the quarterback tried to kind of scramble up the middle as he, you know, left that void um that was that was in college of course but yeah he's he's been all over the place and you know it's it's always you hit the nail on the head they're trying to find ways to to just discredit someone with the Green Bay Packers before they even have an opportunity to prove their worth you know they did it when he was drafted if you remember uh Tim as soon as he drafted what did we hear he he didn't even start he didn't even start and all it took was 45 seconds worth of research to look into Iowa and how their program operates that the older players, the senior players start, meaning they go out there and they play that first snap, and then bang, here that here comes in the rotational guys. And you got your true players. Whether you agree with how they do that or not, Iowa had a pretty darn good defense if it wasn't for their offense stinking the joint up they would be a lot better football program um but hearing some iowa podcasts that i dipped into it's funny hearing how the coach i believe if I understood correctly he's got a family member maybe even his son running the offense so he won't let him go but that he's kind of focused on the defense the head coach is and they got a phenomenal defense obviously but yeah that's uh Again, I haven't read the article, but just the premise, the basis of that article sounds silly because you're going you're to want to put fresh legs in there and guys that can play all over the line. What I've seen with Lucas Van Ness, <clears throat> he has the speed to play the edge he has the strength to play inside. He has the the quickness to disengage with blocks and make those tackles. Like I talked about him covering the edge on a read option and getting inside to make a tackle. I showed you about the – it was either a zero or a one tech. And to me, you know, there's not much difference between a zero and a one because typically the way the line's shaded, whether you're playing an over or under, you know, that's kind of determining how, how you're lining up. If you've got the strength to play inside and control two gaps, disengage and make a tackle, then – and again, this is all college. We all understand that. I'm just saying, if people are going to tell me I don't have the right to get excited about a prospect, then I'm damn sure going to tell them they don't have the right to call him a bus before they even step on the field. You know what I mean, Tim? So exactly,
0: exactly. Especially considering the fact that, like you just said, we can go, we can go to the college tape and you can see the versatility in his game already. So yeah. there's no, there really is no basis for the. I mean, I guess I understand the. I'll put quotations up logic behind it you know, on, on the surface maybe, but I mean, this guy looks like he's built for it, man. I mean, (laughs) and I'm not claiming to be an expert on, on judging talent or whatever, but I mean, I, I just can't wait. That's all I got to say, because at at a certain point in time, you know, we're going to have that evidence. We're going to have game film, uh, you know, at NFL speed, we're going to see him dealing with, uh, you know, these NFL offensive lines and, you know, we're going to have a good a good uh, barometer for the trajectory that he's he's going to be on. So I, I just think it's uh, crazy to assume anything at this point. You know, us as fans, we're going to assume the best. You know, we, we love our players. You know, once a Packer, always a Packer. We always say that. So, you know, if you're wearing that green and gold, we're going to ride or die with you. Um, so we're a little bit biased, but mm-hmm. I still think that, you know we we've got to let this play out a little bit and then i'm not one for pulling receipts as they say you know it's not about being right or i told you so but i think we you know there's nothing wrong with looking at your rookies uh with a positive you know mindset i i really believe that um like you you mentioned Justin Fields bears fans have been doing that with Justin Fields for 3 years now you know despite what they've seen so i i get it um Time will tell. Camp is right around the corner. You know it's gonna be a it's gonna be a <laughs> hell of a season, man. I got a feeling
4: it's gonna be exciting, man. We don't know how it's gonna unfold. I'm with you, though. I'm, the closer we get to the season, I'm feeling a little bit better about. It. I just love it. I, keep the doubt rolling in. Keep it rolling in. I, I love it because all it's gonna do is light a fire under that team. It's gonna light a fire under Matt Lafleur, and uh, and I, I'm telling you, it's 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 going to be a whole different feel because in the past it was kind, it was like I don't know how you felt Tim and I'll let you go after this when we won a game with Aaron Rodgers at the helm and everybody expecting us to just win 13 games magically every year I I would lean back and go "shoo glad we won it" <laughs> you know rather yeah. than <laughs> you know rather than going you know "hey look we understand only one team can come out victorious today" but this year it's you're going in and you're kind of feeling like yeah, it's us against the world, man. Let's go. Let's see if we can win eight games. Let's see if we can win nine games. If they come out and they somehow win more than 10 games, I am going to be hard to contain on the postgame show. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> you and me both. And I, I think that this staff is going to do um, – I think they're going to do a good job with, with the youth on this team because that's one of the things that, you know, you know. you gotta. It's one week at a time, and you can't get to 10 games without one game. And so I really hope that they have that mentality that one and all mentality every week that we just climb a new mountain every week you know we got a kind of got an earlier buy this year if I believe what were we like week six buy or something week seven
4: let me check uh I don't yeah I don't have the buy actually wrote in so I have to look at the dates yeah, yeah I, I, I believe
0: it's a little bit early yeah. um but I, I think, you know, one game at a time, one one uh, set of preparation at a time, let's not worry – you know, that's what I'd be telling my guys if I, had a, if I had a squad of young, talented guys with no ceilings. Sky is the limit. It's like you want to wrangle that excitement and that that talent in and get them focused week by week, and we'll worry about the big picture when we're there, you know? Like, yeah. we got to – you know, you always talk about the middle eight, which is – I believe the the most crucial thing for this season is going to be that middle eight and how this team does. How do we close out that first half? How do we start that second half? Um, Because you alluded to this before, we're going to see um, the false starts. We're going to see the, uh, personnel communication issues. We're going to see, we might even see 12 men on the field, kind of thing. It just things like that are going to happen, especially early in the season. And I think it's important for us to realize that it's not about how you start, it, it's about how you finish. And uh, I think this team's going to do well this year. And, you know, I'm excited, Clayton. It's going to be great. Yeah.
4: Same, man. Same. And you were right. It, it was week six, it looks like, is when the bye is going to be. So that does help quite a bit. Um, because they're going to go to Vegas for Monday Night Football on October night, Then they'll have their bye, and then they got to go back out on the West Coast or, or close to the West Coast there in Denver, a pretty good long uh, road trip there the following week after the bye. So, you know, it kind of looks ugly when you just look at the schedule and go, God, we're doing a lot of traveling, but that bye being mixed in between those two is nice. And, of course, playing on Monday Night Football before the bye, you get an extra day of rest going into Monday Night Football, and then it doesn't affect, you know, giving you a short week the following week. So that should help. But, Tim, I appreciate you jumping on, man. I, I, I'm glad you bring that up. Like I said, or like you said, throw it up on your Twitter, and I'll go check out that article for sure. I'd like to hear what they got to say. I'm sure it'll have me throwing stuff against the wall, but I'd still like to hear it, you know. <laughs> appreciate you joining us, though, man. Y'all have a uh, an awesome Saturday afternoon here, bub.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we're heading uh, up north, as they say, in Wisconsin. So uh, I'll be sure to tune into the rest of the pods today. And, uh, yeah, I'll get that posted up on my feed at some point here. Thanks for having me on, Clayton. I appreciate it, as always.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, man. As soon as you said that, my my German shepherd Lincoln laying down here kind of growled in his sleep. I think he's jealous that you're going up north. So, man, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Appreciate you, buddy. Y'all have a great day, man.
0: All right. You too. Thanks, Clayton.
4: Right. See you, Buck. Bye all right that was tim in green bay appreciate him hopping on um so like i said i've got a couple of uh producers here in the uh, in the studio today i've got my german shepherd pups are a little over five months old now we got lincoln and edda and uh, they're in training so this is a test here hopefully they don't get loud um they're they're napping right now they've been told we we keep it down we stay quiet today so we'll see uh, how the training's going right now they look like they're in a coma though so i think we're good um let's do this let's go ahead and jump Uh, first of all jacob uh, chimed in, in the chat said listening at work. What's up fellas? What's up, Jacob? Looking forward to having him on another live stream a little later today We're gonna be going live again at 5 central. I believe it was 6 eastern if I remember correctly And we're gonna get on and talk a little Christian Watson. I'm excited about that uh, That may may evolve Jacob be prepared It may evolve into a little chalk talk segment because I got some uh, some highlights lined up that we can kind of break down It's gonna be a lot of fun and then of course tonight. I'm sure you guys have seen on Twitter um, I'm going to be having Dusty Evely on the pod tonight, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to talk about uh, that, that podcast series by uh, uh, Jordan Rodrigue that's uh, on the Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. It's called pl- the play callers, and it's not going to be anything like we're going to critique it or try to explain this or that. We're just me and Dusty Evely being a couple of nerds that love watching college football or watching football tape in general. Um, we're going to get together and uh, and just have a conversation about it. Hey, man, what would you take away? What stood out to you? What did you learn? That type of thing. So if you guys want to learn a little more about schematics as we do again, we're not we're not sitting here claiming to be professional and experts on it. But, you know, the more sets of eyes, the more sets of ears that you have on a subject, a podcast, a book, a play, whatever it may be, then the more we can all learn together. And that's what we're out here to do. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and jump into what the title um, talked about. This is two former uh, NFL scouts actually talking about the Green Bay Packers. And we're going to get on here and just kind of see what's kind of what's uh, popping across the league when it comes to. People that I trust talking about, hey, look, here's, uh, you know, here's how we see the NFC North unfolding, more or less, okay. And again, Daniel Jeremiah, former NFL scout, now works for NFL Network. Uh, Bucky Brooks, former Green Bay Packer, former scout in the NFL, uh, now a high school coach, and still doing podcasts here with Move the Sticks and other things, other coverage um Let's see what they had to say about the NFC North. Again, this comes from their podcast. I want to give credit here. Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. I'm sure you've probably already heard of it. You're probably subscribed. If not, go give them a subscribe, give them a like, give them a follow, rate it, all that stuff. But here we go. In the hobby, it's not easy being
1: a fan of ripping
4: packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some
1: high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, about seeing what you could potentially get right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arena club.com slash pack Wow. That's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash pack for 10% off your first purchase, passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only? Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones.
2: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Hit you
3: on here, and we're going to have a little bit of a abbreviated episode today. But um, NFC North, and this is not just to uh, placate Nabil here, uh, but I know you've done some work on this division and how you see it looking as we head into the fall. I've, I've, I have not seen what you wrote, so I've jotted down. The order this is so early but the order i think this thing ends up finishing up uh i'm curious to see how how far apart we are what do you got
2: okay so in this i I feel like there's been this black cloud over green bay because they lose aaron Rodgers, and everyone's like oh my god what are they going to do yeah jordan love is not aaron Rodgers, but this is a really good packers team i mean you look at their personnel and i know people take them to task for not expending first round picks on offensive skill players but they've spent a lot of first round picks on defensive players You go back, I think, in their – they'll try maybe eight first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball, like DJ. So in my mind, when the Packers head into this season, Matt LaFleur has to acknowledge that this team is different than the previous teams that he coached. He can lean into playing more complimentary football, more situational football where maybe the defense leads the way. So a lot of pressure is on Joe Barry to make sure this defense plays well. But DJ, they run the football. They got young pieces and Christian Watson and those things. And Jordan Love just got to hit the layup. He makes the plays. I believe this team can win the division all over again. Because as much as I love what Detroit has done, I still have questions about their defense. Minnesota had a ton of turnover. Where's like Justin Jefferson and who else on offense? (laughs) And then with Chicago, there's a lot of buzz and excitement about Justin Fields. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to throw it well enough to get people out of the box. And can he do that with the weapons that they have? Yes, DJ Moore is there, Clay, Chase Claypool. But can they do enough on offense? And really, I don't know if they've had enough on defense. So to me, it's Green Bay and Detroit, and then it's a gap. And then Minnesota and Chicago continues to bring up the rear.
3: All right, it's interesting. I have a different order here, but I, I want to piggyback on what you we're talking about with Green Bay and ask you this question. Is there a chance that Green Bay is this year's Seattle? Where quarterback moves on, we assume, we assume the team that got the Hall of Fame quarterback is going to explode yeah. and take off. And we assume it's going to be a nightmare scenario for the team that just lost the quarterback. Is there a chance that this Green Bay team has a bunch of young emerging players that we get excited about like we did with Seattle last year?
2: Well, yeah, you can say addition, by attraction, maybe because Aaron Rodgers is doing stuff in New York that he didn't do with Green Bay. He's really invested in the young guys in New York. You've seen him be around him. You've seen him taking the games. He's done all of the good stuff in New York. He didn't do that last year with Christian Watson and those guys. Well, now what happens is you have Jordan Love who probably had to throw to those guys last offseason, had to work with them some on scout team and those things. There may be a better synergy and connection between Jordan Love and the young playmakers and pass catchers on the perimeter. That right there is going to bode well for Matt LaFleur. Really, the key to me it's not even the quarterback. The key to the Packers' success is Matt LaFleur. How does Matt Mm -hmm. LaFleur handle? Okay, I don't have a four time MVP. Does he have the ability to flip his mind in terms of the way that he plays? Because great coaches, they can look, they can hit you with a few different styles. Does Matt LaFleur have the capacity to change his offensive approach based on what he has to complement what should be a defense that is much better than their offense this year?
3: Um, no, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him. It's going to be different for him for sure. But I think in some ways it might be invigorating a little bit. Uh, getting should be. to work with Jordan Love, it should be. It, it should, should be. be. It should be. If uh, we're
2: if we're all aligned, because you know this, DJ. If I'm yeah. your coach, you're the general manager. Uh, when we made the pick for Jordan Love, we should have been aligned anyway, because yeah. you you've run it past me. Hey, what do you think? Oh man, I can work with him. This. And that. Okay, now it's time to work mm. with him. And yeah. so my only thing with Matt Lafleur in the past is he was so hanging to, clinging to Aaron Rodgers, and I understand it, rightfully so, four-time MVP, but you still got to build up the young guy because at some point we knew this was going to come to pass. Jordan Love was going to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and so have they done enough, has Matt LaFleur done enough to build him up to get him ready to play winning football in Green Bay?
3: Yeah. Um, well, we're going to find out. I want I want to mention a couple of these rookies here for them, by the way. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, first-round pick, another defensive player to throw in the mix. Luke Musgrave, one of the most athletic tight ends uh, we've seen come into the league the last few years. Jaden Reed, who gives them some speed at the receiver position to complement some young speed that they already had, uh, as well as some return value. Tucker Kraft, another tight end. Like Kind of looking through their draft class, and I- I'm trying to see, okay, did they have the capability of doing what we saw Seattle do, um, now, obviously, the base of this roster is in better shape than the base of Seattle's roster was Seattle had to rely on a lot more of those young guys. I think they have a little more of a stable roster there in Green Bay. But some of those names I just mentioned, they're going to have to be key contributors as well for this Green Bay team to exceed what the expectations are.
2: Yeah, no, they're going to have to be key contributors. They have to be able to hit the ground running. And I'll be honest with you, man, if I'm, I'm the head coach. Uh, for the Packers, I'm ornery, and I am on the defense at every turn. I'm on Joe Barry. I'm nipping at his heels. I'm I'm trying to let him know, hey, man, the pressure's on because, guys, we need the defense to be the best unit on the team. The defense has to be at the forefront. The offense is going to be the compliment. It hasn't been like that, I mean, for, de- for a decade, uh, maybe two decades, in Green Bay. Can they flip and become more of a defensive-centric team, where his defense running game – Then Jordan Love, as opposed to being quarterback, explosive offense, and old defense, get a few takeaways, and that's how we win. It's a completely shift, complete shift, and so a lot of pressure on Matt Lafleur, but a ton of pressure on the defense and Joe Barry.
3: Yeah, you you are a little more optimistic on them than I am. When I just jotted this down, I actually picked Detroit. I just think Detroit, and you talk about the defense and the holes, the defense got better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about on the pod, how they figured things mm-hmm. out. They changed how they played. They got they got better as the season went along. They added some nice veteran pieces into that mix as well. Those young guys going to year two, I think, take a leap. They were already good as, as first-year players. I think they get even better in year number two. I like the continuity of quarterback and play color on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm in on Detroit. I have Minnesota second. Just because of, you know, Kirk Cousins, I just know more what I have there for mm-hmm. better or for worse. I know what I have with Kirk, uh, whereas with Jordan Love, it's a TBD. So I, I had Detroit, Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago. The one thing I feel like, you know, I'm hopeful for Chicago, that they're going to get things going. They still feel like that's clearly the fourth team in this division.
2: Uh, to me, it is clear and apparent. I'll say this about Minnesota. If I'm optimistic about them, I'm optimistic because Brian Flores and what they're going to do on defense. Yeah. Uh, He is going to heat him up. We saw how he was able to do it in Miami. And if he is able to make sure that his guys in the back end don't allow the ball to fly over the top of the defense, man, he's going to give people problems with that Cover zero bluff and blitz stuff that he was doing Uh, and talking to him at the combine. He's like, man, they're already two steps beyond when everyone was catching up with their old stuff. They got some more tricks. And so I can't wait to see him unveil those tricks also. With Brian Flores, what did he learn from his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers?
3: Yeah, it's a different different defense than what he'd run.
2: Yeah, so not only different defense, but what did he learn from Mike Tomlin in terms of, hey, man, no excuses. You give me whatever I got, I'll figure out how to win with it. I think there is something to being around someone who's been able to kind of take lesser parts and figure it out. What can Brian Flores do with, look, man, he's hamstrung in a few different areas. Can he make them better with tactics and scheme? as opposed to just the, the talent that he has in front of him.
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting division. And, and you look at what they do on the defensive side of the ball, as well as, you know, can this offense take another step? Did a nice job there with Kevin O'Connell last year. Can they continue to progress and, and move forward? That'll be interesting to see there with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Our next episode, Buck, coming up later this week.
4: All right. So that was pretty much the gist of it. And um, love those guys. They There's nothing they don't talk about that doesn't have some kind of – substance to it you know some people just talk to hear themselves talk some people just talk to create a rant that'll go viral on social media and you know that you know Colin Coward bingo there you go right which you know I gotta admit that used to didn't be my cup of tea right but here recently I've enjoyed stuff like that because as soon as I see it I know Ryan's gonna go fire back and I'm I'm here for it (laughs) 100 percent but uh I love Bucky Brooks and um and Daniel Jeremiah, they just do a phenomenal job uh, with everything they do with their podcast. So let's just kind of recap what they said. Before we do, though, uh, we have in the chat here, we got Joey. Joey says, quarterback on Netflix is great. I see similarities between Mahomes throwing off-platform off and arm angles with love. He already got the wide receivers and throwing before training camp. Go, pack, go. Yeah, that was really, really cool to see them all getting together before training camp and, and getting out and throwing. And you're right on quarterback on Netflix, guys. I'm just going to give you a a little warning here, okay? This is who they follow. They follow Pat Mahomes, which me personally, I'm not a huge fan of Pat Mahomes. Um, I you know, I, I'm coming around to him now a little bit more. But first, first of all, when I say I'm not a fan of him, I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm not saying he isn't the best quarterback in the league right now. What he's doing is, I mean, it's generational, right? This dude has a has a early track record and is on pace to unseat Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time, right? That's that's being realistic. I just personally, I don't know. I don't like the uh, – I don't even know if saying I don't like him is the right way of putting it. Um, I think it's more or less the way that offense operates because there's so much flexibility. There's so much freedom. We just seen that type of offense roll through Green Bay before Matt LaFleur. And a lot of people are going, what are you talking – I've heard people say, oh, no, Andy Reid's system is top-notch. And Andy Reid, what Andy Reid does is he puts his players in a position to win, period, case closed. But when you really start to dive into that Kansas City offense, especially post-Tariq Hill, it's – I mean, it is nothing but choice route central. They are – I mean, literally, Kelsey is reading the defense and running routes to the open space. Hark. Sounds – Amazing, doesn't it? So when when I watch them play, I get a little frustrated because I'm really into schematics, and when I see that and I see just the the freedom he has to run around and make plays and stuff, part of me's a little bit jaded by the way the Aaron Rodgers uh, era ended in Green Bay. But you know, I don't want to get into drawing parallels. And and did their general manager give Pat Mahomes more than than we gave Aaron? I'm so tired of all the device the the the, the divisiveness. You know what I mean? The, the just the dividing people to argue about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's one part of me that's glad he's gone because now we can kind of put that to bed. If people will let it be put to bed, there's still some people clinging to it. And ironically, it's the people that said they hated him and they couldn't wait till he was gone. And he he just oh. I despise the guy and um man, now that he's gone, yay, he's gone, and they still won't shut up. They're still talking about him, which tells me they're doing it for clicks, and that's okay. But quarterback on Netflix is phenomenal. It's it's uh it's really good. They follow Pat Mahomes, they follow Kirk Cousins, and they follow Marcus Mariota. And I'm gonna say this, as Packer fans, be prepared. You're probably gonna come away liking Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's a uh he seems like a Kind of a kind of a different dude, but very uh just very average. If you met him in the streets and didn't know he was a quarterback, never heard of him before, you probably think he's just an every, you know, everyday average Joe, you know. Um, Pat Mahomes, the big thing I'm hearing about Pat Mahomes is people absolutely despise his wife, Brittany. But now people are going, man, I kind of like Brittany Mahomes after watching that series. So that's cool that they can kind of put that. You know, some of you guys are going, nope, still hater. Got it, I understand. I respect your opinion. And then Marcus Mariota trying to kind of was trying to revive his career. And and he seems like a very humble guy. It is. So I agree, Joey. It's a great, uh, great program. But appreciate you hanging out in the chat with us. All right. So just to recap what Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah said, uh, first of all, you know, Jordan Love has to hit the layups. They said that. And it's so, so crucial. This scheme and you've seen it all year like as I was going back through these Christian Watson plays that we're going to break down later, me and uh me and Jacob we can get on and have a, a Christian Watson podcast. Like I said, five central, six eastern. Um, what I noticed were there, yes, there were a lot of layups, but there were a lot of plays that Aaron made with his arm too. That was like, <clears throat> if if Jordan can make that throw dude, we're not going to miss a lick. This offense is going to take a step forward because the young guys are going to be better if Jordan can make those throws. I have no reason to think Jordan can't make those throws. The only thing that people can come up with negative-wise with Jordan Love is, well, if he was better, he would already be starting. You would not have started him over a back-to-back MVP. The first down year Aaron had, here we are moving on to Jordan Love. That should tell you all you need to know in terms of what the coaching staff – thinks about Jordan Love, right? Now, I'm a realist, in my opinion. I shouldn't say realist. That sounds like I'm calling people up. I look at Aaron Rodgers' performance last year and go, he had a broken thumb. He had injured ribs. We started off with a makeshift offensive line. People like to say, well, they should have got Christian Watson. They should have got Romeo Dobbs more involved. Guys, they both. if I remember correctly, they each missed five games last year. You can't, you know, oh, you can't make the club in the tub. Well, you can't make the stat column if you're not on the field right? You can't get opportunities. Like I didn't see him refusing to throw the ball to Christian Watson. If anything, the plays I break down, he was forcing it. Like you, you could see several times that there were other open receivers on the field and he chose to go to Christian Watson over them. One of which was Cobb on a wheel router out and up, if you will. Um, so I see that much different. And, and those people that are like, nope, we made the right move. Aaron Rodgers is washed up. He's done blah, blah. blah. They were screaming that last year. This, This guy's done. This guy's done. Those people are now starting to get nervous as training camp gets closer because they're thinking, yep, Aaron's probably going to have a good year. (laughs) And I'm looking at it going, if that thumb's healthy, which it, no reason to think it isn't, and those ribs are healthy, yeah. And now he's got uh, Nathaniel Hackett coming back and reinstalling that offense that he won an MVP with, actually back-to-back MVPs with. Um, you're going to see that type of offense kind of unfold. It's going to be that that Shanahan-McVay type offense on the surface, but you're going to see a lot of checks, a lot of things that Aaron's going to be able to uh, have the freedom of changing and molding around those receivers that he brought with him, right? Um, so, again, I don't want to turn it to an Aaron Rodgers podcast, but, um, yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion that the injuries played a huge role along with the receivers leading the league in drops. People for, forget that, and and it's important. Guys, you, you hear me talking up Christian Watson. You hear me being excited about Romeo Dobbs. You hear me fanboying over Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave, right? But if they come out this year and lead the league in drops and we have injuries on the offensive line, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Jordan Love can carry this team right now. Now, let's hope that doesn't come to that. But if we were put in that situation, let's hope Jordan can, right? That means we got the quarterback of the future for the next 10-plus years, right? That's what's so cool is quarterbacks play so long now. But, again, like we've talked about in the past, I think the big thing people are overlooking when it comes to Jordan Love is his legs, you know? Think Aaron Rodgers when he first came, in, came into the league. It wasn't just scrambling to create time to throw a pass. That was kind of uh, the the third quarter of his career, if you will, right? But in the first quarter, the whole first half, guys, he was scrambling for 40 yards. He was – anytime they caught them in a two-high man, look, as soon as those DBs turned their back at that first or second read button there, he's he's immediately looking at the edge, manipulating the pocket, getting out and taking that thing off for, you know, 30, 40, 50-yard runs, right? Um, I think you've got that element with Jordan Love now. Me being an Aaron Rodgers fan, you didn't have that the last three years, guys. And and grin. He had some great running plays, right? You know the the famous where he shrugged Jalen Ramsey off and scored a touchdown, and the Packer fans pointing at Jalen on the ground laughing, right? But that wasn't like quickness and speed. That was savvy with a little pump fake and making a little move and, and getting it in the end zone. Jordan Love, I think, is going to have some wheels. They ran a very similar forty time. Here's what's crazy: Jordan Love is taller than Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Okay. Jordan Love has larger hands than both Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, right? And Jordan Love ran a similar 40 to Aaron Rodgers. I think in the same ballpark, maybe even a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers, right? And has a faster 40 time than Brett Favre. He has a much higher vertical jump than Aaron Rodgers. Physically, he is a better athlete than Aaron Rodgers. Now, can he pick up the game, the intellect it takes to run that offense, run any NFL offense? And can he place balls the same way that Aaron Rodgers did? Can he throw with touch? I know this, his deep, his deep pass looks pretty dang clean. That's just my opinion. It's does he have the touch on the intermediate routes? And this offense, as they kind of try to drift back to, no pun intended, you guys, if you've listened to play callers, you know what? What I mean by drift, but if they drift back to this uh the basics of uh LaFleur's offense, that should help him with those layups, right? Um and you know, according to Bucky Brooks, he said it's Green Bay and Detroit at the top. Those are gonna be the two teams battling, right? Um, they were kind of comparing Green Bay to Seattle last year. Is Green Bay last year Seattle? Right? They talked about that. Um it, it sounds like Daniel Jeremiah thinks the Packers have a better roster this year than Seattle did last year so what what's what the you know the common denominator there right like can Jordan Love play at Geno Smith level from 2022 the only time will tell you know um let's see here uh he you know one thing that Bucky said can Matt LaFleur change his approach guys he already has and and not specifically with this team you know we don't know what 2023 is going to hold as far as schematics and all that but when you say can he uh can he change his approach? All of these coaches in the Shanahan tree have changed their approach. We're going to talk about it tonight with Dusty. But it amazes me how many people say this isn't this isn't the system. This isn't Lafleur's system. This isn't Lafleur's. Guys, every single West Coast offense they have ran. I had a guy the other day tell me, you know, that they're running Aaron Rodgers' offense. They're not running Shanahan's off. They're not running you know Lafleur's offense. I'm like, really? How so? The motion's gone. All that stuff's gone. I'm like, bro, do you realize the most important play of the entire 2022 campaign against the Detroit Lions fighting for a playoff spot, game on the line, fourth and short, we ran a jet sweep slash reverse to Alan Lazard. You're telling me that's Aaron Rodgers' playbook? That They literally went to that play that is a staple in Matt LaFleur's offense that jet motion, and handing the ball off. And they outsmarted themselves. You're not going to convince me Aaron Rodgers was the guy that said, that's the play I want in the playbook. You can't one You can't one second tell me they're running Mike McCarthy's offense and then with the, the season on the line, they run a reverse out of a condensed formation and say, no, nope, that's Aaron Rodgers' fault. But, and again – there's plenty of blame to go around for what happened last year. Aaron Rodgers is at the at the very top of the list, right? He's in the top three to five reasons why we struggled last year. You know, he had a down year. He did not carry the team. But, you know, one of the plays we're going to break down with Christian Watson right out of the gate was a jet sweep that they handed off against the Patriots, right? Scored it. I think that was his first touchdown of his career. But but we're running Aaron Rodgers' offense. Like I want people to learn alongside us and and get this because we look silly when we just make stuff up and and throw these assumptions out there. And I'm telling you right now, if Jordan Love struggles, those same people are going to do it to Jordan Love. They're going to think of every reason why that, you know, it wasn't their fault. They didn't predict that. Right. The truth matters. That's that's what you know, if you see it, you've got to say it. We got to talk about what's actually happening on the field and not making up these these things to fit our narrative because we don't like a player or we want to turn a page to the next a page to the next player or whatever. Um, Because there's going to be people that root against Jordan Love, man, and we need to call them out. We need to. I mean, that's why I was calling down some of the Aaron Rodgers hate last year. Like, come on, guys, this the the dude had one percent higher completion percentage before the thumb injury. Then his average career-wise, he was at 67% before the thumb injury. His career average is 66%. And then he injures his thumb. The the percentage drops all the way down to 61%. And then once they get past the buy and the thumb is as healthy as it's been all year. Not still still not healthy, but the little the the brace came off. He jumped back up to 65%. Right. And and the the infamous response I got from people on Twitter was use your eyes. Use your eyes. Stop looking at the numbers. I'm I'm using my eyes, and I'm also looking at the fact that our receivers are leading the league in drops. And I'm looking at Aaron's PFF grade, and it's nowhere near what it's been in the past, right? That tells me Aaron's having a down year, and other people on the team are having a down year. One plus one equals two. That's why we suck. (laughs) I mean, let's call it like it is, right? But as far as Matt LaFleur changing um, his approach, he's already proven he can do that. When they were in Washington, we'll talk about this tonight, They ran – they literally – Shanahan does an excellent job on that podcast explaining what they did. You know, they are an outside zone team, right? They draft RG3. What what does his skill set provide you, right? He's one of the fastest quarterbacks in NFL history. He's also a, a decent passer. I don't think he was a great passer, but I think he was – I would say he was a good passer. He won Offensive Rookie of the Year, right? So what Shanahan did was he brought me and said, okay, he runs the read option. Let's study the read option. We want to run the zone option play, right? Okay, well, the way that people are busting up the zone uh, the zone read is they're attacking the mesh point. What if we put him in a pistol where they can't guess which side we run to? So now on the strong side of the formation, we could run our outside zone scheme Right, and attack, uh, attack a weakness. And when they overload that side, because we're in a pistol and not a sidecar, they don't know which side we can run to. We still have the threat of running outside zone either side. But they're now they're they're watching the tape, and they're all in this uh, Pete Carroll style cover three defense, this cover three zone that got really really popular at that time, right? So as they start to protect the strong side and play wide technique, why don't we run a read option off the backside and boots off the backside, right? utilizing his speed. So, guys, when we say Shanahan's offense, we're not running Shanahan's offense. We got away from it. Guys, it has evolved. It was literally Shanahan running the read option with outside zone principles in Washington. He goes to Atlanta, and they run what they called Nitro, which is hurry up, muddle huddle. West Coast, mainly passing, and off of that, the run game really picked up, but that's how Matt Ryan won the MVP that year. Right, then he goes to San Francisco, and he looks at his roster and goes, "What do we have here? What's our strengths? We got arguably the best fullback to play in the last twenty years in Kyle check. Let's add some twenty-one personnel, and it evolves into that. McVeigh goes to the Rams, and what happens there? McVeigh goes to the Rams. He looks up and goes, "How in the hell is Cooper Cup on the sideline? I need to I need to build this out of eleven personnel. They built it out of eleven personnel. That's how that came about." Then Matt LaFleur gets to Green Bay. What does he say in that in that podcast? He says, I look up and I go, Aaron's a pretty darn good player. And he giggled, like this is arguably the best quarterback to play ever, right? You know, from an arm talent standpoint. Four time MVP. Ed is tired of me talking about Aaron. She just groaned. Um, four time MVP, right? Um, and he said, Oh, and Devontae Adams was arguably the best wide receiver to play in the last five years. Why don't we build this offense around them? So how do you do that? 11 personnel, they went condensed. They still leaned on 11 personnel. They didn't go to 21 like Kyle Shanahan. They went to 11 personnel like McVay, which is what I was saying last year. This is not Kyle Shanahan's offense. This is Sean McVay's offense. This is Shane Waldron's offense. Shane Waldron was with L.A. when they won the Super Bowl, got over the hump. He goes to Seattle. Seattle takes off because they're running McVay style offense right now they did it well with a lot of empty looks we tried to kind of play it in between and I think that's where we fell flat but regardless those back-to-back MVP seasons and I'm going to stop saying that because people get triggered by it those seasons where we had top five offenses does it is that better like that's not you I'm talking about other people like does that sound okay (laughs) what 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 do we utilize we implemented we implemented an RPO aspect to this offense because we had one of the best quarterback-wide receiver combinations in the history of the game. Now, what got left behind a little bit? Aaron Jones in a running game. Now, we look at this year, we don't have Devontae Adams. we got some young receivers that are blazing fast, right? And we've got an awesome backfield. What I think you're going to see them get back to is, depending on how quick Tucker Craft comes along, that'll determine whether they're in 11 or 12 personnel more often. Right. If Tucker Crafts ready to go week one and Luke Musgrave is ready to go and we got enough bodies that we can keep a constant rotation of 12 personnel in and out, you know, just rolling along, then I think you're going to see more of that. But if we don't have that, they may lean on 11 personnel because the two two of the most experienced people in this offense right now, as silly as it sounds, is Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs with the amount of snaps they played last year. So, um, I don't know. I'm excited to see how it hit. Uh, but young players have to hit the ground running is exactly what we just talked about. That was another note they said. Uh, pressure is uh, is on the defense. You need to win with defense, then the running game, then Jordan Love. Take everything off of Jordan Love's plate, and let's ease him into this role, and Let's play great defense let's commit to the run more than we ever have like shanahan committed to it two three years ago right um and the the big thing that really stood out to me that i love is they both you know bucky brooks said he's going to be between detroit and green bay and he, he wouldn't be surprised if green bay wins the north right when he talked about or daniel jeremiah said he thinks minnesota is in first detroit second then green bay third i think both of those are very realistic but the thing I love is they both said Chicago's last. I love it, dude. I love it. Because you've got – think about who is propping Chicago up saying they're going to run away with this thing and Justin Fields is going to win MVP. And then think of the people who are coming from the approach of, now Chicago's still last in the division. Which one do you trust more? The people that are trying to get clicks – or two former NFL scouts, one of which is the top draft expert at NFL Network, and the other one who's coaching high school football and actually played in the National Football League. Right, uh, that's kind of how I look at it. So, um, and again, the the last thing I'll just say here, real quick, because it's not a Vikings podcast, obviously. What he said about uh, Brian Flores. I'm well, well aware of. Um, there's a lot of people that are going, oh, man, they completely can this defense. Their defense is going to be trash, blah, blah, blah. Brian Flores cut his teeth and studied under the greatest head coach in NFL history, definitely the greatest defensive-minded head coach in NFL history and Bill Belichick. That's where he learned defense, and that's where he learned bullseye defense, the bullseye approach. And I don't have time to get into that, but it's very, very specific. It's very man coverage heavy. But then last year, what did they talk about? Who was he with last year? As an assistant, he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Totally different defense. So he's got the study under two of the greatest defensive head coaches in NFL history, in Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin, right? Now, what he showed on tape in Miami when he was the head coach was a lot of cover zero, a lot of bluff, a lot of blitz, that type of thing, right? After he's been with – Mike Tomlin, don't be surprised if he starts missing in some zone blitz. Because so I think things could get really, really uh, interesting in Minnesota. And, again, this isn't a Vikings podcast, but for those people who are just riding off the Vikings defense as though because they got rid of a lot of players, they're going to be trash. Players win them, coaches lose them. I, I say that all the time, right? And And, and I understand that completely. But you're talking about a guy who's one of the one of the best defensive minds um, here recently, and you know, even in some spots where you didn't have the players to to perform at that level, you know, Miami. Name one defender in Miami that Flores had. You're probably going uh like I am. Now I'm sure there were some good ones. I'm sure there were some good ones there, but don't don't write him off for having a top 15 defense. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a top 15 defense. Heck, even a top 20 defense, from what I understand, will probably be an improvement from last year, right? And we can't sleep on the fact that they won 13 games. So um, just a lot to unpack there, man. I got to wrap it up. We're at the 57-minute mark. I plan on making a 30-minute podcast here, but Tim got me fired up talking about football in Green Bay. Find out Jacob's in the house. I I don't want to shut up, man. And uh, appreciate everybody rolling through. It's always a blast hanging out with you guys again. We're going to be going live again at 5 Central, 6 Eastern. Uh, Appreciate everybody dropping through in the chat. Like I said, Jacob, Joey, you guys, uh, everybody that's watching on YouTube and Twitter. Thank you guys uh, for uh, dropping by. Also, for those of you listening on the pod, we'll probably get this live uh, today, I would imagine on a Saturday. Uh, We'll make it go live. And then uh, the next podcast will go live on Sunday. And then the next one will go live on Monday. So you guys will have content for the early work week there as we get into July and we got training camp right around the corner. so appreciate everybody uh, making us a part of your day listening to the pod as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world and go pat go.
3: It's the power sweep actually it's the it's the
4: lead
0: play on our in our offense. drive down man inside.
3: Go back and get him. Take the first man outside, John. No one goes. Go right by them and field them right. back. the YN has the linebacker taken out, that's inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get a seal see here. And a seal here. And try to run this play in the alley.